You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 184, covering The Way of the Warrior, Parts 1 and 2, with Nathan Lajeunesse. Friends, it's season four time. This is the season where everything goes crazy go nuts. And it's such a good episode, too. And Nathan called this episode, I think, back in, like, the 80s. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 1974. Yeah, which is weird, because I was born in 1974, and you guys weren't yet. Nope. There you go. It was really impressive, but uh, he pulled it off. Yeah. Not in so. this timeline, anyway. Well, this is the darkest timeline. That's true. <laughs> so welcome back, Nate. Unfortunately, you were not able to uh, meet with us uh, in Season 3 due to your uh, overwhelming commitments, but it's, it's good to have you back. Yeah. Thank you. It's good to be back. Particularly for this auspicious occasion. How could I miss this? This is like the best episode ever on Earth. It's pretty far up there. It's yeah. not my one, number one favorite, but it is like when you're making your list of super important great episodes of the show, it's it's like way, way the fuck up. I would say this might be my favorite episode of DS9 we've done so far. Yes, so far, yes. But I know of a few coming up yeah. that build on this and are even more like this. Also, so. you get double the episode and more. Yes. That double is the episode, true. double the pleasure, yep. double the Double war. the Klingons. Also double the wharf. Well, the episode is called The Way of the Wharf, as far as I remember it. <laughs> the Way of the Warfier. Yes, Warfier. I'm going to show them that I'm warfier than any other wharf they might have. <laughs> me and my ways. Nice to pull the old wharf voice out of retirement. Yeah, I mean, we get the whole we get the whole package again. We get yeah. the uh, disappearing shuttles that never happened. Endless <laughs> vacations. Endless vacations, which do happen. And, and child uh, abuse, which and, is hinted at. Well, child neglect, if nothing else. Yeah, definitely child neglect. Poor Alexander. Alexander comes up twice in this episode, and basically both times all the characters turn to the camera and shrug. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then an extra comes past and pins a Worst Dad award on Worf's... <laughs> uh, that's what one of those little badges on his on his bandolier is. Yep. Well, it's it's it gives context to uh, Cisco's de- best dad because before his only other competition was uh, O'Brien and his kids on another planet. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Worf, didn't you used to have a son or something? Oh no, you're thinking of Doctor Crusher. Yeah, I I don't have a son. Wish I could remember what his name was. <laughs> yeah, you mean that strange kid that always sat in front of me on the bridge? Yeah, what's his deal? Yeah, Weasley. And what what's the deal with human kids? Huh? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> So this episode aired as a full-length movie at the time, Mm -hmm. and uh, it took a little work to figure out which was part one and which was part two, but we sorted it out, so we're just going to do it all in one go. Nate, you do part one, and then Matt, you just pick it up with part two. I will uh, roll into it. Here we go. All right. A bunch of stuff happens, and then Worf shows up. You know Worf. Worf from school. (laughs) That's that's the summary. No. Ah. More things happen than that. Fine. We open on a three-hour game of hide-and-seek. It's Odo versus everyone, and everyone loses. Cisco has a date, and baseball is mentioned before the credits. They're in love. Stay tuned for more of that later, but right now we have a phone call to answer. It's the Klingons. They've come for a little visit with no ulterior motives at all. Klingons are all over the dang place being weird and not very Klingon-y. Perhaps something is afoot. But no matter, we have dates and interpersonal relationships and banging trill holograms in tiny, tiny swimsuits to worry about. 
The Klingons seem to have inexplicably gotten a hate boner for Garrick. Or perhaps it is for all the Cardassians. Foreshadowing. And also Sisko's romantic interest. Also, lots of other ships, because they are searching them for changelings. But we need a reason to find out this information, so Yeza's ship is in danger of a thorough searching. Sisko puts a stop to that, and it costs the Klingon commander his life, for no real reason, because they just move their ships out of protected space and keep on searching everyone. Sisko decides he needs a Klingon of his own to try and figure out what the hell is going on, and he calls upon the power of Worf, the best character, the son of Mog, the cutest Klingon in all of Klingondom. Worf isn't even sure he wants to stick around, but what the heck else would he do? Worf meets Kira and Dax, who he knows as Curzon, and they immediately fall in love. He's been spending too much time around Troy, obviously. Worf devises a clever plan to meet with Martok and try and figure out what the deal is by punching his kid in the face and taking his stuff. <laughs> Dax and Worf cement their true love by having a Batleth fight, which is basically Boner Town. She advises him that someone ought to owe him a favor, and it's true. So Worf gets the info and has his standard crisis of Klingon versus Starfleet. Worf tells Sisko what's up, and the Klingons are heading to Cardassia to take it over, to protect the Alpha Quadrant from the Dominion, and then maybe take over everything else too. To prevent chaos, Sisko devises a clever plan to alert the Cardassians to the impending invasion without breaking any of the rules of the treaty with the Klingons. But that doesn't matter, since the Klingons dissolve the treaty anyway, and immediately come by to visit their friend Worf. Buddies! Take it away, Matt. So, tempting though it may be to just start slaughtering Cardassian, Worf refuses and Gowron's enormous head strips him of his honor. Again. Damn it, he just got it looking the way he likes it, too. So now the Klingons are mad at him, again, Worf decides to make his vacation permanent and just bail on Starfleet altogether. Luckily, Sisko refuses. I know you. I know how you work, Mr. Worf, he says. You quit Starfleet twice a week. Well, you're on my show now, and we don't have time for that kind of crap. There's a war on now. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to, sh I have to call the Cardassians and talk to someone in charge. Hello, Cardassians? Yes, this is Captain Sisko, right, from Starfleet, the baseball guy. Listen, is the head of the government there? Yes, I'll hold. <clears throat> I'm on hold. Ah, <clears throat> oh, hello. Head of the Cardassian government? Oh, Gul Dukat, what are you doing here? Head of the Cardassian government now? Hmm. Uh, we're coming to save. We're coming to save you now to stop a war. Yes, I agree. It is rather ironic. Well, I have to go. This bit's been going on entirely too long. Hmm? <laughs> oh, yes, I love you too. Ciao. <laughs> and then they take the Defiant to go save him. So the Defiant catches up to Dukat under attack by some Klingons. Oh, jeez, are we seriously going to save Dukat from Klingons? What the hell is going on, Season 4? Go home, you're drunk. <laughs> anyway, there's, there's a pretty kick-ass space fight before, before the Defiant successfully rescues Dukat and beats Cheeks for home. More Klingons clinging directly onto their asses. The Defiant makes it back to DS9 only to see that it's completely under attack by all the Klingons that ever there was. And the good news is that DS9 spent a year upgrading the station to be ready for a full assault from the Klingon or from the Dominion. Uh, the bad news is that they're going to be killing a shit ton of Klingons instead. And that Klingon chef guy that I'm so fond of probably isn't going to be too happy about that. <laughs> then there's a couple of pretty amazing fight scenes as everyone on DS9 buckles down for a siege and then boom! Giant awesome fucking action sequence! Watch in amazement as the giant weird looking space station holds its own against all Klingons! Even when, even when they finally start evading, invading the station, our guys kick the absolute shit out of them. It's so cool! 
So eventually, Cisco contacts Gowron, asking for his surrender. Look, we can do this all day if we have to, but I'm really good at it, and eventually you aren't going to have a fleet. So peace out while you can. <laughs> says Gowron as his fleet returns to the homeworld. For now. That all done, Cisco is able to convince Worf to stay in Starfleet, because what else is he going to do? Gargoyles isn't doing that well. So welcome to Deep Space Nine, Mr. Worf. Hope you survive the experience. <laughs> Okay, I think we need to start doing all our summaries in character. I was this close to doing it. I'm like, is there any way I can do this entire episode as Cisco? We could just we could just replace the summaries with reenactments. But I could, I could make it work. I'm into that. That sounds awesome, actually. <laughs> That'd be fine, except characters like Trip and Ball, Sulu, and French Picard would be showing up way too often. <laughs> and what's That's wrong right. with that? Well, they're not really in the show. I mean, but the they point are of the delightful. summary is to tell the listeners, like, who haven't seen it, what happened. <laughs> I disagree. I think that we need to put Mexican Scotty into more episodes. <laughs> Only when Bob's here. That character's property of uh, Mark Bosco. Copyright. Do not steal. A <laughs> uh, couple of quick points. Um, uh, Nate, the uh, three-hour game of hide-and-seek, one minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> no, they literally say that we've been doing this for three hours. Okay, I thought that was a comment on, oh my god, this is so tedious. Why no, no, no. <laughs> Okay. No, that and is that, that is actually referenced in the show. Okay, that that's okay. They're just and, really bad at hide and seek. <laughs> Matt, the uh, the reference to Gowron's head made me just picture uh, uh, one of those Mad Balls. You remember those? That's what I was thinking of too. As uh, but just that, like Gowron is just that and nothing, <laughs> no body, just bouncing. You know, <laughs> I, I was looking at him. I'm like, God, that guy has big eyes. And then I'm like, No, that guy just has an enormous head. Like all of him is all of his head area is is huge. Look how much hair he has. Well, I it's think so it was cute. Nate who pointed out that the features are just are arranged in a way that makes him look like a baby. He does. He's a giant Klingon baby. I've been learning how to draw proportions of people, and, and those are his proportions. They're the same <laughs> as babies. Yep. Like the size of the forehead and the eyes is in relation to the rest of his head? Yeah, top-heavy toddler. That's why they can't walk. They just fall over all the time. Just like Garon. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of Garon having to do like that weird toddler run. <laughs> where his arms are just sort of flailing out at his side and his legs are all over the place <laughs> and he just sort of trips and falls over and starts crying I'd just be worried for a Klingon like with, with sharp head ridges that they'd get stuck in the floor if they did a face plant yep. <laughs> now, now I'm picturing Gowron with his head stuck in a banister yeah exactly <laughs> somebody get the blood butter <laughs> blood butter <laughs> It's all right, I know how to handle this. I have a kid. Do you? <laughs> Do I? I'm just, I'm sorry, you got me on blood butter. Now I'm just imagining, yeah. like, you know, Klingon blood butter. That's delightful. Well, isn't bagel? everything that they eat has blood yes. in front of it? Well, of course. Blood wine, blood sausage. Yeah, no, that's that's Scottish people. I know it's easy to confuse the two. <laughs> <laughs> drinking, 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 fight. I would actually like fight. to see Klingons in kilts. How awesome would that look? Holy well, they're, crap! They're really just one step away from that whole Braveheart Right? You just blew my mind. That would mind. actually be a pretty kick-ass look. The problem is it's not armored enough. Like, I mean, mm. it's it would be a good, like, visual look, but it wouldn't really make sense. And then you could have Scottish Klingons at, at funerals playing Klingon blood pipes. <laughs> ah. Oh, wow. And then we could have Mexican Scottish Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> Racist to two existing races and one fictional one. <laughs> a bingo card. Yes. <laughs> Dear Vishal, if you're looking for something to draw for the next supplemental episode, think about it, won't you? Except he hates Klingons. 
<laughs> also, I'm picturing a uh, a Gowron uh, Pez dispenser, and that's also delightful. Oh no! <laughs> the Pez is biggest bar of soaps. Yep, <laughs> bars of soap. Bar okay, of so soaps. there there is a lot to cover. This is a a double length episode, like we said. Yes. And actually, yes. when it ran, like when they run it in syndication, they take a few scenes out. So this full this full two part movie episode is actually yeah. longer than two episodes would be. It's basically the closest we ever got to a DS Nine movie. Yeah. And it has everything. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got quiet character stuff. It's got big fucking fights. It's got yep. political intrigue. It's got it's a little bit of everything. Like, everything it's you like about Star Trek funny is funny moments. Here. Yeah. But it also never lets up. Like, nope. Like, we have long talky scenes, but they're moving the plot forward. And everything's just moving and, just and going so forward. Cool. And yeah. Okay, can I say my bad thing? Uh, okay. Because it relates to that. The, okay. My bad okay. thing is the one part where I thought it went too fast. Okay. So um, when they drop the big, huge bomb about the Klingons breaking the treaty, which we've they've been harping on it for a million years throughout all of the different, like through through TNG, the Klingons right. and, and the Federation have a treaty, and they have a treaty, and that's why they get along yeah, so last, well and fight all the time. The last movie with the original guys was all about signing that treaty. Like that yeah. was the the thing they went out on because it was so big. Right. Like, it's a and, huge part of TNG. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't paying attention. The, the fact that the treaty is broken down is one line. So if you blink with your ears, you miss it. Okay, so my bad thing is that Nate was not paying attention. No, okay. <laughs> I mean, there is the is repercussions of it, but... Ears. <laughs> the, the repercussions of it last for the rest of the episode and forever more. But that that line that they have, there isn't, like, that should no, be Cisco a... Cisco walks out of his office and addresses ops and says the Klingons have withdrawn from the Kittimer Treaty. Also, nice callback calling it the Kittimer Treaty. Yes, mm. right, the Kittimer Accord. And then they do a long pan of ops where everyone reacts. Okay, then... but the thing is, they should have panned... Faded out, made a doom noise, and gone to commercial. That's 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 how impactful that statement should have been for me. Okay. Know what I'm saying? Know what I I'm do. saying? It's okay I, if we don't agree, though. I do, but I think there was too much stuff to happen to make that a dun-dun-dun moment. Yeah. I Which think they, they played it off it. well as just everyone looking terrified. Yeah. Yeah, but then in the next huge, huge moment. One of the things the show does really well is a lot of the times it's not even the 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 terrible thing that's happening, it's the terrible thing that implies that more terrible things are going to happen. Like, the show does anticipation really well. Like, mm. fuck, what next? And then immediately some something happens next. Like, oh, fuck, now what? And, I mean, I see your point, mm-hmm. but I don't think that I agree with it. That's valid. Well, thank you. For <laughs> <laughs> validating my own opinion on a show that is half mine. Good work. <laughs> that means you're doing something right. <laughs> I just cheersed you with my water glass, FYI. There's a little Cling. visual you joke me there. while you were jeersing me. <laughs> <laughs> guys, cheers guys. and jeers. The combination cheers and jeers. Mm-hmm. Let's not bring jeers into this. Come on, we're all friends here. The, well. <laughs> we're all foes here. That's better. <laughs> no, I, I see your point. There was a lot of information to cram in here. And in fact, my bad thing sort of ties into the idea that there was so much going on that sometimes they kind of lost track of some stuff, which mm. is Worf feels like when they first introduced him, he had a really solid arc. Like, mm. Worf has been doubting himself since the Enterprise crashed. He, we know he's had this crisis of, of faith before because he was uh, meditating on, on Klingon religious planet, like, in Next Gen. Like, that's a, that's a thread they picked up on, mm. which I liked. 
and it's it's clear he just doesn't know what to do with his life. He's kind of directionless. The ship with all his friends on it is gone, and like, well, what next? Which is great. And then all this other shit happens, and Worf gets pushed to the side because too much other shit's happening. And then at the end, we pick it up like, oh, this has been his arc, and now he's going to put on a red uniform and join the command track. And it's like, mm-hmm. we're missing a middle bit there. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the, like, it was a great start of an arc and an end of an arc, but there's no middle part. Yeah. It's too bad, too, because we pick up on Worf at a really interesting time, because, like, we don't see anyone else post, uh, post-generations. That's true. We thought and... we saw Riker, but it turned out to be Tom. So, yeah, yeah we haven't seen any of those mm-hmm. guys. So, like, you know, ha- like, <laughs> we have these guys now. Like, well, what do we do now? Worf, what are you going to do? I'd probably go on vacation again. <laughs> and the thing is, in I'm pretty sure they reassign you. Like, if your ship blows up, you know, maybe you get a little grief time or whatever. Yeah. But then they put you back to work. They don't. It's been like a year since Generations. Mm-hmm. Like, he really just gets to leave until they build another Enterprise. I mean, you know, leave of well, absence. No if one you has want more him on it, time than him. Yeah. What's that, Nate? Well, if you want him on it, you're gonna have to build it first. Well, that's true, but you reassign them in the meantime. You give yeah. them other work. They're still in Starfleet. They're still active duty guys. No, but yeah, this is Worf. Like... He's on vacation. Well, yes. Well, yeah, that's true. No, everyone else on the... All 1,000 whatever other people on the Enterprise, you know, they're off working and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. And knowing all of them complaining about how things are run on whatever ship they're on. I'm pretty sure, like, I remember because I was super deep into all the Trek stuff at this point. I'm pretty sure I was reading books that took place in between, like, the commissioning of the new Enterprise, and mm-hmm. they actually took advantage of that and told different stories with these guys off on different missions, which I oh, thought that's was cool. a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, I mean, I like, like, Matt, you suggested that maybe one of the things he's bummed out about is that he and Deanna split. Oh, yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Um, It seemed very, very obvious to me that him and Deanna, Deanna had split up. That was clearly one of the things that he was trying to get away from. I Despite the fact that they don't mention her at all in this episode. No, and on the one hand, there's too much going on, and there's a lot of callbacks, and they can't call back to every single thing. <laughs> I mean, they can try, and they yeah, did. and they, they did a damn good job. Yeah. But, but overall, I feel like I, you might be reading that in, because I don't think the writers were thinking about that. Well, it just, it seemed, It's a good detail. Yeah. No, it just seemed it to me, from, like, the second... Uh, the second he showed up, like, in or not for the second he showed up, but, like, as soon as he started talking to people about, you know, being off the Enterprise and stuff, it was very obvious to me that him and him and Deanna had split, and probably not very well. See, I feel like that might have been part of it, but I feel like, as a whole, those are the only friends he's got. Mm-hmm. Like, romantic or otherwise, these are the only connections he has with anyone. Mm. Right, which is why it would be very warf for me to completely split off from all of those connections. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, if yeah. he's not seeing Riker and Data and Jordy and Troy every day, like, he's just, like, he's super bummed because yeah. that's that's his whole support system. He doesn't have any other friends. Yeah, that's why he's that's why he leaves to go right. do Klingon shit. No, like I say, when we join him, it seems like a perfect continuation yeah. of what we know about him. And we saw him really getting into the super religious stuff at the end of Next Gen, like in the Kalis episode. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was at the, the caves of Borath, yeah. like, meditating and all that stuff. He basically uh, he basically pulls a Spock after the mo- at the beginning of the motion picture. Right. Hmm. No, there's there's elements of that, and then there's elements that they that they call they they call out like it's not a subtle thing, which it doesn't bother me at all. Uh, the parallels to Cisco and the pilot, mm-hmm. which is when we first meet Cisco, he's bummed out about all this stuff, and he doesn't like his new assignment. And he's thinking about quitting Starfleet, and is it was a nice way to bring those two together i thought yeah but there's a conversation that they have when Worf first shows up um with Worf and cisco when um cisco is talking about how the beginning and and it was because he was mourning his wife 
So right. that could be like the connection with losing that relationship. Either it could be hinting at the relationships that he had with everybody, or it could have been hinting at the relationship he had with Deanna being ended. It mm. could be. Again, I, I don't think the writers intended that, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's not there. Yeah. They never mention like they, they just I, the tiny, tiny spoiler. The whole time Worf's there, they don't mention it once. Mm-hmm. They In never like mention, the whole series? Yeah, the whole rest of his appearances in DS9, they never mentioned that those two dated. Really? And yeah, it's in weird. His, and in his appearances in the Next Gen movies, they never touch on the fact that, like, when Deanna and Riker hook back no, up. No, Deanna and Riker oh, yeah. are just back together next time. Uh, yeah. Well, no, the next time would be uh, Yeah, no, but uh, uh, contact, by the time we get to uh, Insurrection, they're back right. together. It just it never comes up again. And it's, it's one of those details that doesn't matter that much. I was yeah. always under the impression that they weren't super in love. They were just kind of trying to date and seeing mm. how things worked. Mm-hmm. Like, it was never serious in my eyes. But. Well, see, you know, if there's one thing I know about Worf, it's that he would be very into Deanna, and she would not be very into him. Well, that's true. He tends to latch on to people yeah. way before they're ready. Yeah. He would be, like, I'm sure he proposed marriage or something, and she was like, whoa, ho, ho, ho. no, no, no. Yeah, I'd we like saw to read Taylor. your fan fiction, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, that's, that's, that's Imzadi 2 by Peter David. Yeah. Imzadi 2 Triangle. Yes. That oh, no. Exists. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've seen like with Kalar how he, he, you know, they had sex once and he's like, well, now we're married, obviously. Yep. And the Betazoids are so sexual that they obviously were having sex if they were dating. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he probably did that. Oh, Worf. Yeah. Re- regardless, I think we're fixating on a, on a smaller point to the to the larger point. No, let's is, I mean, just yay. talk about Worf for the whole time. And his sex life. Okay, but let's talk about what Worf does in this episode, at least. <laughs> oh, no, I want to talk about the things he does that I make up. The implied <laughs> things between series. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to jump to my good thing. Which yeah, is, please. This was effectively meant as like a second pilot, as like a next-gen fans aren't watching this show for some reason, and we need to get them back on board and... Mm-hmm. Yes, bringing Worf in helped, but it wasn't just that. There oh, was God, so no. much. There's so much sort of like representing. Here's where we are. The Cardassians are here, and the Dominion is here, and all this shit's going on. And bo- oh, by the way, here's a familiar face to help you. Yeah, no, and it's they, it. They're using Worf to just lure people in. It's fucking perfect. And and when he comes on the station, they give him a really good scene with each main character. Mm-hmm. He gets a scene with O'Brien. He gets a scene with Dax and Kira. He gets a scene with Cisco. Like you get to meet these guys through the eyes of a guy we already know. Yeah. And it's a great way to bring people in who were next gen fans. And they're not sure about this other show. Yeah. And they do an excellent job of every character has a great moment to, to sell you on what they're about. Like watching this episode as your first DS nine, you really, okay. Odo's this guy. Quark's this guy. I get it. Like, mm-hmm. all right, this is all pretty cool. And it's I just I think they do an amazing job of not only continuing the story that's been going, but sort of creating a new beginning point for new new viewers. Yeah, <clears throat> and this episode it like comes in firing on all cylinders too. Oh, yeah. Like, good lord, it's just huge. And it's all the stuff the show does well. Uh huh. It's all the political intrigue stuff, but at the same time, not just people arguing in rooms, but actual fights. There's, these are the biggest space fights we've seen in any Star Trek, including movies at this point. Yeah. Like, the best fights we've seen in movies are one ship versus another ship, but not fucking 200 Klingon ships oh, all at once. Oh my god, that shot when, like, like 30 Klingon ships decloak outside of DS9 is so fucking cool! Yeah, and apparently they didn't have enough models. They had to use, like, toys. They had to go buy the Playmates models, and they had to go use some Christmas ornaments. 
<laughs> to fill in the background chips. I desperately want a Klingon Battle Cruiser Christmas ornament. Those were those were a huge thing, the Hallmark uh, Star Trek oh, yeah. ornaments back in the day. But I didn't buy them. I want them now. Oh, well, they're probably like crazy money on eBay now. This is the problem. All, all of this cool Star Trek stuff was coming out back when I didn't have any money. Ah, see, I was just... Like, I just had my first real job, and I had disposable income, and I bought a bunch of this crap. Oh, yeah, you had the plates. Yeah, and then I... Well, those were a Christmas gift. But, yeah. <laughs> then I sold it all on eBay and made a good amount of money, so, you know, yeah. it all worked out pretty well for me. Anyway, but no, there's there's some really huge space battle stuff, and then some actual, like, hand-to-hand -hand fight stuff toward the end. Yep. And just, it, it has my a little bit of everything. Thing. Yeah. Uh, Nate, what was your good thing? Uh, Worf. That's not what you wrote here. You wrote <laughs> Worf. <laughs> the feeling behind it had eight O's in it. Ah, okay. <laughs> Seriously, though, the characters on the show, like, especially in this episode, they there was so much great character stuff that, like, they are, they are fully realized, well-rounded people. Every character on it, like, even the small characters who don't have that much to do, they have so much story that you can see in their interactions. It's it's so great. Like, they're, each one of them is a horrible mess of bullshit and awesome. And the, the interactions with them are so interesting just because they're all such complex characters. Absolutely. I was, I was watching, like, this episode is just chock full of awesome conversations. Well, yeah. It's like I was saying with it being a new pilot. You mm. really need to win people. Like, you don't want people walking away from this and saying, well, I like O'Brien and Worf because I know them, but who's this Bashir guy and what's what's Odo about? Like, you really have to make sure everybody gets a moment, and they did a great job with that. Yeah. Also, I well, think all characters should have about three seasons. All pilots should have about three seasons uh, in which for the actors to become the characters before they have the pilot. Yes. That would be nice. Unseen, <laughs> unseen interactions before we actually turn the cameras on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there were, like, I did not, uh, I did not envy you guys having to both summarize, like, 50,000 plot points and then also pick one single quote from each half of the episode. <laughs> and, and still only be doing it with half the episode. Right. Yeah. I That's feel like, I feel like my summary minutes. got a little uh, muddled, but, you know, I tried my best. Well, no, it was fine. You did a <laughs> yeah. good job. The, the problem is walking that line between catching the listeners up to what happened in the episode, also making jokes, and also not missing, you know, important things. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a hard balance. But you I recommend doing way. half of it in a hilarious voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write that down for next time. Hilarious I recommend voice. it not being your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works out really well for me half the time. No, super plot-heavy episodes are always the hardest for me to summarize because... Yeah. We get to so many discussion points, and I don't want to have to slow down and catch everyone up. Like, half the point of the, the beginning bit is to, you know, not everyone's watching these episodes along with us, and we want them to have the context for the discussion. So mm -hmm. they have to know, oh, Worf showed up. Oh, there was a fight. Okay, but really, for this episode, everybody on the planet should watch it, because it's great. Yes, yeah. it is. If you're, if you're still on the fence about Deep Space Nine at this point, which shocks me, but, <laughs> like, seriously, watch this episode. The thing is, there are still people who probably don't like this episode. But the thing is, if you don't like this episode, you're not going to like where the show's going. Because this is yeah. basically the blueprint for the next four seasons. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yes. yes. That's great. And Matt was saying that this is like his favorite episode. And then he qualified it with so far. Because so I think far, you, yeah. you remembered, oh, right. Then they top most of this later. Yeah. No, there's some amazing stuff that that's happened already. And there's some amazing stuff that's going to come. But God... 
right here, this was, I spent, like, just huge chunks of this episode just enraptured by this episode. Yeah. The the listeners that have accused us of going too easy on DS9, well, sorry, we're entering the era where we're just going to squee about it a lot. Yeah, look, <laughs> look forward to the next uh, the next four seasons being just a lot of hand clapping. No, I'm just looking, there's, some... I, there's one of my notes, it, it was screeching noises. <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't sure if you had seen a pterodactyl or... Like... <laughs> well, I am a pterodactyl, so... Oh, really? I thought you, I thought you were a bat and, and a tree. That's the same thing. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm learning a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> they fly uh, and they're Matt, cute. What was, what was your good thing? Wait, which, oh, me. Yeah. Um, those, uh, th- those action sequences. Holy shit. Yep. The last, uh, like the last 20 minutes of this episode is just giant, <laughs> giant space battle to much more gianter space battle to yep. fucking fights on the, uh, like on the promenade. And they're all done awesomely like fucking i've talked about this before and my love of all seeing all the ships in star trek at the mm. same time yeah, we've never f- had this many ships on screen at the same time no before. but i it's one of my, it's one of the things i love when when they do it in star trek is when you see all of the ships yeah and this was all of all of the ships and it was so cool i mean tell them we, about we, the christmas ornaments well i did oh, okay <laughs> i said that before <laughs> Uh, but even like at the end, we don't get a lot of the the Federation ships because part of the danger for Cisco is uh, we're the only ones, and this is the ongoing thing about the show. We're the only ones out here on the frontier, and yeah. help is like three days away. Well, that's but, the thing; it's basically a fucking siege. It's fucking great. Yeah, but then at the end, we do get the cavalry coming in, and we do get to see some Federation ships as well, and and you get a bunch of those then too. You get mm-hmm. a Galaxy class ship like the Enterprise. You get like going all the way back to like the Excelsior ships from the movies. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. But and then we get to like the the actual battle on DS9 where we got Klingons beaming in and fucking yeah. everyone like fucking Dax and Worf fighting Klingons with batleths. Yep. It's so fucking awesome. I think the the biggest badass award in that fight has to go to Kira who mm-hmm. fights off a Klingon with her bare hands like oh. like cracks his skull and then another one stabs her from behind and she manages to take him out before she slumps to the floor. Yeah. yeah. Like, just, the, t- a knife in her belly does not stop her from taking out a second Klingon. Yeah, fuck everyone. I love Kira. Yeah. <laughs> I Also, I I really like that they brought knives to a laser fight. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is very Klingon. I mean, the thing to me is when you first beam in, lay down some suppressive fire, and then draw your swords. Yeah, but no, you get guys beaming in, in with their batlets out who instantly get shot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? It's well, like, they could oh. deflect it with their batlets. I you don't know, think we've ever seen that happen like once. on the Whoa. Star War. Uh, yeah, but those swords are made out of light. That's a little different. I get confused. <laughs> well, it's easy to get confused. I mean, Jedi and Klingons are basically the same thing. That's true. <laughs> I'm not super into Star Wars anymore, but I'd give my left nut to see a Klingon with a lightsaber. Actually, I was just thinking if you made Darth Maul, like, like did him in like brown tones, you could almost pass him off as a Klingon. What? Yeah, that's he actually... has spikes horns. Yeah, but you take those off, put a Klingon uh, head Klingon bridge Ridge. on there. Yeah, yeah. like you, you just modify him a little, but the basic look of him. Yeah. Like, like a tall costume. guy? <laughs> well, his costume, his facial features, he's got yeah, a very his mean looking face. Is, his, his costume's very Klingon-y. Yeah. It's just robes. And the look of his face is very, like he's got the deep sunken eyes and just the evil glare and mm. like the, 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 you know. Yeah. Eyes like a kitty cat. Yes. Yes. Kitty eyes. 
Exactly. Oh, cute. I mean, better than Galron's eyes. <laughs> oh, God. Galron's giant baby eyes. Oh, my God. At oh, one God. point I'm watching, it's like, you know, their worst, the worst weapon the Klingons could have is to just draw DS9 into his iris. <laughs> it's got it's got more gravitational pull than the actual wormhole. Yep. And he's got two of them. <laughs> I'm sending you to the Gowron quadrant. <laughs> ah. No one wants to go there. No. Everyone's got huge heads. All they serve is root beer. <laughs> well, there is the root beer scene. There is the root beer scene. The Let's famous talk about root that. beer scene. So we've got the uh we've got the scene where um uh Quark and Garrick discuss how the Federation is like root beer. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. and well, wait, everyone's, no. everyone's off fighting. And the yeah. only guys left are the guys who live on the station. Like, all the <laughs> military guys are engaged. And so, yeah. basically, that leaves... If you want to cut back to the station, that leaves, you know, Quark and Garrick. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he's like, you want to you try this stuff? It's terrible. There's, there's this, this human thing called root beer. And he's like, oh, it's so sickening and cloying and sweet. Yeah, just like them. Like, I just, yep. like, it's it's one of those great bits, and I'm surprised worst, you didn't pick that as your. The point. worst part is if you keep drinking it, you start to like it. Yeah, that's that's the one. I was watching though. This is actually my bad thing. I realized um, the glass of root beer that Quark pours for Garrick um, comes from a room temperature mug and is clearly flat. So yeah. no wonder nobody likes it. <laughs> yeah, I imagine like a lot of. The, the different culture stuff that Warf, that, uh, that Worf serves in Worf's bar. Quark <laughs> serves. Worf, Worf, Worf. Everything is yes. Worf. Come to Worf's. Worf's is fun. <laughs> but don't run. <laughs> Not with your bat left. <laughs> uh, I imagine that most of the stuff that Quark has, you know, from other cultures is sort of their interpretation, like a, a poor excuse for, you know. Like, Chief O'Brien chokes down his, his faux Guinness, but it's probably terrible. Yep. <laughs> he's faux just Guinness? The you can get. Yes. He's not well, sure Guinness. It's, it's he's either drinking like what Quark Bud gets Light. In, which is not great, or it's replicated Guinness, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I, it must be what Quark gets in because I can't imagine O'Brien drinking synthahol. Ugh. No. Like, he probably wants real alcohol. Yeah. And that's why Yates is on the station all the time. Yes. Because that's or... what she does. She, Cassidy, she supplies quarks. Yes. <laughs> Bringing beer to the station. God, what a noble woman. <laughs> the thing is, I'm I'm still not a fan. Like, I think she just doesn't... Cisco deserves better. She doesn't really have any presence, any gravitas. I've said that before. She's just kind of there. Yeah. But we are so happy to see happy Cisco, so it doesn't matter. He does spend a lot of his time with her delighted, which, you know, I'm a fan of. Well, yeah. especially after three seasons of him moping around, rightfully so, because his wife got murdered by the Borg. I mean, I wouldn't call him a moper, but he's definitely not a nope. dater, you know? But as as compared <laughs> to now, you can see how he's been sulking a bit. Yeah. Or yeah. Brooding, let's say. Well, when he's walking around with hearts floating out of his head. Yeah. It's adorable. Yeah. yeah. It really is. And it's great seeing this guy that we know, that we've grown to like get happy like it's been a gradual progression of him just getting happier to the point where now he's in love with somebody and it's yeah oh like, good for him but i still like the fact that they are they are in a long distance relationship yes but when they're together they're so fucking happy yep. even though they know like she has to go because she's got work and he has to go because he's got work and they, they don't live in the same place but they well, know that they'll get that. back together yeah i wouldn't know anything about that yeah me neither. right no all. I, I didn't spend years like that. Yeah. yeah. 
It's yeah. like they're no, commenting on something that is, happens in real when life. When this aired in 95, I was just starting to date people I had met on the internet. Yeah. And so this was super like, yeah, that is what it, yeah, that is what it's like. It's hard, man. Oh, they love each other, but they're sad, but they're happy because they're together, but they're yep. sad because they're apart. Yep. Yeah, I feel that. This is beautiful. And they and then, you know, they, they meet up like once every like month and they just disappear and bone for two days. And everyone's yep. like, where did they go? And then like. <laughs> Dax is like, you know where they are. Baseball. Yes, baseball. That's it. <laughs> you ever had sex on a baseball diamond? I thought you were going to say, ever had sex on a baseball? <laughs> you Awkward. ever had sex with the devil in the pale moonlight? Very well, that's uncomfortable. Like six, Matt. <laughs> that orgasm is a fake. <laughs> this is not a cake. That's true. <laughs> no, the cake is a lie. <laughs> So uh. many things just happened. <laughs> yep. All of that our was, references crashed into each other. That was like a Jenga jam of, uh, <laughs> of references. Don't eat my Jenga jam. Oh, come on. There's got to be a couple more. Keep it going. No. no, no. <laughs> we're, we're losing people, I think. <laughs> Plus, a lot of stuff happened that we still need to talk about. Okay, do it. Let's talk about Kira going in the holo suites. I keep wanting to call it the holodeck. The holo suites, like... Dax is still playing this. Come on, it's fun. Yeah, you'd think Dax would have learned by now. They've been friends, and they've been, like, good friends for since season one. Yeah, and I love fun-loving, come on, let's go get into some trouble, Dax. I really do. Mm. Yeah. But I feel like this particular tree has been barked up enough. The, th and the thing <laughs> is, there's, there's stuff that they could do together, like, real stuff they could do together that I'm sure Kira would actually enjoy. It's weird that Kira never gets to pick. It's always Dax yeah. who's like, let's go do the thing I like. Well, like, I don't, I don't think Kira is a boring person. No, she has interests. She plays spring ball, for yeah. instance. <laughs> you can she only play so much spring ball. Well, she did that one time anyway. Uh, she's really into religion? <laughs> one time. <laughs> That's fun, so right? That, that always makes for a good day out with your friends. <laughs> Come on, let's go to church together. But she's also into the fun part of that religion. What? She got what? really excited at, uh, what is it, that big week-long festival thing they had? Oh, yeah, the Burning write Man? down all your problems in the fire festival. Yeah, yeah, festival. she was really looking forward to that. <laughs> that still doesn't seem, that seems about as much fun as Easter, which is not very. <laughs> well, it's Easter you can have with your friends. Oh, okay. As opposed to your family. Everything's more boring with your family. Well, yeah. They could go camping. I, I may have introduced more about my personal life than i am comfortable with <laughs> I, you'll you'll note that i didn't extrapolate on that yeah. <laughs> no but the, the thing is kira's like you know kira's just terrified that something bad's gonna happen that she's gonna let her guard down and and undignify herself and then meet someone important and then that's exactly what happened yeah. yep. <laughs> she walks out wearing her her pointiest um uh damsel in distress hat yep. with the with the the fabric streaming off of it and meets this important Starfleet officer who's just showed up, who's going to be in charge of security. Uh, oh, uh, hi, I'm the first officer. I look like a ridiculous tool. Yeah. <laughs> and See, the look the she gives him when she realizes that is priceless. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's been her fear the whole... That's why she doesn't want to do this, because yeah. what if what if something important happened and someone saw her like this? But, and like, that's the, thing, right? that's the other thing right there. Kira is not a damsel in distress at all. Why would why on earth would anyone think that would be how she would have fun? Well, Kira and wants, that's, give that's, Kira that's a sword. That's what happening, is she decks Lancelot. Yeah. Give her a sword <laughs> and, and some Astic kick. I'm sure she'd love that. Yeah. 
And Dax is like, but but you're supposed to go with him. But I'm a married woman. Yeah, but that's the story. I don't care. <laughs> and it's it's a great way, again, to introduce us to the characters and also to just have some fun with it. Yep. And, you know. So what we're saying is that Kira's best friend in the whole planet has no idea what she likes. That's right. I think Dax likes to get under people's skin and really take them out of their comfort zone, but I think she just needs to take a different angle at this point. Yeah, and then, <laughs> th- that ship has sailed. It's time to move on. That that sun ship made of wood has sailed. Yes. <laughs> take her out and get her drunk. That ought to be funny. Yeah. That won't work either because she's uh, tried to get her to go and bang like the hottiest, trill spottiest, tiny underpants guys in the whole holodeck. Yeah, and but she totally poo pooed that. You know, I could see not wanting to have sex with a hologram. I mean, you know. I, I, mean, I mean, I get I it. It's not for everyone. It, but, uh... I don't know. Quark's holograms probably have VD somehow. <laughs> <laughs> like on the Enterprise? Yeah, no problem. But uh, yeah, Quark's are probably a little... You, <laughs> you caught syphilis and a computer virus. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> I mean, that's we cured awful. syphilis in the 21st century. <laughs> they can share but... knives. Are you kidding me? Well, that is true. There was a lot of knife sharing in this one. There's, I, I mean, Martok, this character who Matt was excited to see, who I I, I get it from a we-know-what-he's-going-to-be-later thing, but mm-hmm. he's kind of a dick in this episode. He, kind of, he really kind of is. And every time he announces his presence, it's with a knife in some context or another. Yep. And he's like, hello, knife. Yep. Either here is the knife of the guy I just killed, or let's all cut ourselves open like we're teenagers trying to get attention, or... You know, Where is the knife you stole from my son? Right. <laughs> something to do with knives. Yep. He comes knife in the room. Around. Knife! <laughs> oh, knife to see you too. No! Oh! <laughs> oh no! I like, I like can't count Cisco way better than bad puns. <laughs> did you see, I posted this on our, on our Tumblr, but I just did it recently, so you guys might not have seen this. Uh, Irish Gav found this on on Twitter, and it has nothing to do with our joke. It just happens to tie into our joke. Uh-huh. Somebody, uh, it, it's a Vine, so it's like a six-second Twitter video, um, took a, a, a shot of their uh, algebra homework, which says, is the equation 3x plus 2y equals 4 linear? And then it pans up to the TV where Cisco's saying, no, it's not linear. <laughs> 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 yeah. I must have missed that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's on our Tumblr, poststomachhorror.tumblr.com, uh, and it is delightful. I oh wish my God. I could take credit for it. Some some guy just thought it was funny, independent of us, but it, oh. is, it is delightful. <laughs> that is perfect. Yep. It's good to know that uh, Can't Do Math Cisco is universal. <laughs> Although I think he was answering the question correctly, so... Oh, shit. Maybe, Maybe we're wrong, a... then. Yeah, could be. Oh, no. The mere uh, universe could Your uh, joke is wrong. It's not yes. based on true facts. Oh, man. I'm going to go We're back and trouble. retcon it. I'm going to have to audit all our jokes now. <laughs> uh, oh, this is the first episode where Siddig El Fadil, now is credited as Alexander Siddig, mm-hmm. decided to change his name to Joe America. Yes, I am from America. So he could get more work playing guys who are not terrorists i guess and that's worked out real well for him in his yep. post star trek it was his career. last 15 roles oh yeah. terrorism i saw him in the movie syriana where he played like a an evil like oil sheik oh yeah that's the kind of shit they got him playing now it's, yeah. it's pretty sad because mm. i mean he's he's good he's, he's not... a very talented actor and he's his best thing is not playing evil we've established that no his best thing is being charming yeah so you really want to not cast him as a bad guy yeah poor guy 
Uh, what else? What else indeed? Let's see here. I mean, I like, a lot else. I like that the Klingons' uh, logic to uh, there are probably founders on the Cardassian homeworld is, well, how will we know until we invade and find out? And that yeah. just that felt like very Cardassian logic to me. Mm-hmm. Sort of using their bullshit against them. Well, yeah. We know you're we'll guilty, just, now we just need to prove it. We'll just take it over and then check it out after yeah, we've we'll taken know. it over. Yeah. I think the best thing this episode does, well, I mean, among the best... Okay, some of the best things that it does... <laughs> Fear, surprise. Yes, in a nice red uniform. Mm. On Worf. <laughs> um, is that there are, as far as we know, there might be reveals later... Uh, but I don't think there are. Uh, no changelings, no Dominion. Like, this is all the paranoia of the looming Dominion threat, but there are no actual changelings anywhere yeah. to be found. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole thing is just based on paranoia, which is exactly what the changelings are counting on. Mm-hmm. Right. And they even said at the end of uh, the Dias cast, uh, well, we're, we took out the Romulans and Cardassians, and all that's left now is the Klingons and the Federation. And now they're working on that. So and it's that awesome. Happened. Actually, I love... I love the idea of uh, that changeling whispering to Odo, we're everywhere. They're actually not everywhere. They're nowhere. No. Yeah. But the fact that everyone thinks they're everywhere is enough. Which I love. So awesome. Yep. I love Uh, this show. Yeah. What else? (laughs) Uh, I was a little disappointed that Worf is calling back to the Empire and, okay, he can't get through to Galron. That makes Mm. sense. Mm. He can't get through to Emperor Kalis. Well, okay. But his brother won't help him. Yeah. His brother, who we've established the elder brother is sort of the, the head of the house. And, like, Worf saved their honor and all this stuff. Like, he's in debt to him on, like, two different levels. Mm -hmm. Can't be bothered to help him. He preemptively found out that Worf was going to get their honor taken again. (laughs) No, but that means he's kicked off the council. Yeah, I know. And stripped of all his shit. And so, do we even catch up with Kern again? I we mu- no we we must get more current stuff. I'm sure of it. I honestly don't remember. Tony Todd will show up next week in an unrelated role. But I don't know if he comes back as Kern. I, I'm pretty sure he does, but I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you see, the reason why he didn't get back to Wharf was that he was also on vacation. Oh, of course. <laughs> Constantly taking vacations from his uh, from the council. From the council, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's it runs in the family. Right. Yeah. In fact, Wharf's father was on vacation on Kittimer. He wasn't even there as a as a dad. <laughs> oh just... no. And that's how they got killed by Romulans. Your father was a great, well, not a warrior, but man, that guy lounged like nobody's business. <laughs> Jesus. It's also why we never see Alexander anymore. He's he's busily on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's on vacation on Earth with his grandparents. Right. Who don't like him. His grandparents, who we took a whole episode of Next Gen to ex- express the fact that we're getting too old, we can't handle this kid, you take him back. And then, no, never mind, we're, we'll, we'll take him. Yeah. Worf was like, okay, okay, but could you could you watch my son just for a minute? Yeah, now he's a teenager and he's probably 50 times worse because now he's got raging hormones on yeah. top of not feeling like he belongs anywhere. Yeah. So I'm sure this is all fine. <laughs> Worf, dad of the year. And you guys are like 80 years old now, but uh, you go ahead and take care of him. That's yeah, fine. you know what? I'm going to go do whatever the fuck it is I do. Yeah, go on vacation to uh, to Religious Planet. Yep. <laughs> And become a monk. Right. I mean, I I can see him doing that once the Enterprise crashes. It's like, well, I need to get back to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was going to work, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's you... like I was saying before. Like he, yeah. he takes an extended leave of absence to continue to ignore his child. Yes. No. Oh. I I feel like 
the, the writers kind of box themselves in with Alexander. They had to acknowledge him, mm-hmm. but they're clear, like, oh, we wish we hadn't done this because we just want Worf. We don't want the whole package. We, yeah. just want <laughs> which, we already have a father and son. We don't need another one. Yeah, which results in Worf continuing to be a terrible father, which I think is a huge part of that character now. Yeah, but I don't think it... I think I think that's the way we read that character, and it's hilarious, and I don't want that to stop. Yeah. But I don't know that they intended to write him as a bad father. Not on purpose. But right. they're not also they're also not writing like changing it so that they're pretending he's a good father. Yeah, I right. mean, if they really wanted to fix that, they could. Yeah, they obviously know how to write a good father and son. Yeah. Or they could just kill the character off. Yeah. <laughs> he's the best father. He let his kid die. Oh. 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 But no. <laughs> we actually we had a discussion about uh, about uh, Worf and his son versus uh, Cisco, best dad ever. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, I just imagine all those father-son like TV cliches, like the you know the the potato sack race and the wheelbarrow, you know all the all the picnic father-son stuff. Yep. And just like Worf and Alexander failing at all of them. Oh. Because they don't have a connection. What's that name? They don't have a connection. They don't at all. Nope. Sad. And the thing is, all the elements are there. Like, okay, your mom died. And it's hard raising you while I'm in Starfleet. Like, all, you know, everything's the same. Except somehow Cisco's made it work and Worf has yep. not. Like, all his excuses are the same thing that Cisco has to deal with, but he's, you know, he's okay. Well, a space station is no place to raise a child. Oh, I don't know. It's gone pretty well for my son and I. Well, we were growing further and further apart. Well, that's okay, too, because uh, DS. I really feel like DS9 brought us closer and closer together. <laughs> yeah, well, his, his mother's dead. Yeah, so is his. That's right. Uh, my, I will not have enough time to see him with my duties. Oh, I'm actually outrank you and have a lot more going on. Plus, I'm God to these people. Yep. <laughs> and I still have time to have a relationship and a great relationship with my son. And I cook an old-timey dinner for my son every night. You know what? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, what the hell does Worf do all day that, that makes him neglect his child so much? Yeah. From what I can see, take vacations. Take vacations. And meditate. That joke is not going anywhere. Nope. Well, I mean, if he hadn't been on vacation when he... Yeah. He came straight from vacation to the show. Yep. It's like (laughs) they're writing this shit for us now. It's like, okay, what do we know about Worf? Ron Moore, you are on staff at Next Gen. What do we know about Worf? Well, he's probably on vacation. (laughs) Done. All right. So he was on vacation. Yep. Thinking about going on vacation again forever. He wears a yellow uniform. It looks like this. Yes. Not anymore. Uh, Oh, yeah, it does. It looks like this. (laughs) I still don't understand why he's wearing the old next-gen, like, black on top, color on bottom style. Yeah, I mean, it was bad enough when he was doing it on Generations, but it's been a year. Yeah, I mean, everyone should have switched over to the uniforms. I don't really care, but it's one of those things is like, well, Well, it's just stupid. Why is he the only one? Is it is it because they want to dress him in a way we would like we wouldn't recognize him if he wasn't wearing the same shirt? Yeah, <laughs> I think that might actually be the reason why they did that. Like to <laughs> to the most recognizable form of Worf as a character, put him in that suit and yeah, then yeah, stick but... him on a ship where he looks different. But right? I mean, he and Data and Jordy all have pretty distinctive heads. <laughs> Doesn't really matter what they're wearing. You can tell if you look at the action figures. Picard too, actually. Like yep. you know, there's really only one bland white guy, and the fact that he's only one bland white guy kind of narrows it down to who he is. Yeah. Plus, they help by slapping a beard on him. Right. 
But they wow, also or... have the ship full of other people with kind of similar heads. So maybe they just wanted to take out that question. Wait, but which one no is Worf? there's no other Klingons in Starfleet. That's always his conflict. <laughs> is that Worf or another Klingon? Well, look down. Yeah. <laughs> is he wearing yellow or points? <laughs> look, mean, okay. I'm just trying to defend the logic of some bad writers from the past, okay? I, don't, I wouldn't even say it's bad writing. I would just say it's a tiny detail. Yeah. That's the thing. It just, it's, it just yeah. it feels it feels cheap, you know. Like that's an but, easy fix. But it's also it bothered me for a split second, and then something cool happened, and I forgot about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, let's be clear. It's not like it derailed the episode by any stretch. Oh my yeah. god, I can't get over the fact that Warp is wearing an outfit. Uh... Put on a real shirt. <laughs> and I do, I do like that. Like I said before, I don't feel like he had a full arc. I do feel like him wearing red is a cool like. And I'm not even talking about my foreknowledge of what's going to happen next. Just the idea that Orf might be pursuing the command track is a mm-hmm. cool idea. Like, maybe he's going to be a captain someday. That's pretty cool. It I is would not cool. want to serve on that ship. Well, no. <laughs> this, is a, this is a thing we mentioned briefly. Uh, I, I didn't want to spoil it at the time, but uh, in the season three finale, uh, I think they were laying the groundwork for this, where Eddington says, yeah, nobody wants to wear the yellow uniform. You have to wear a red one to, to move up the ranks. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a nice way to pay off, like, yeah, Worf's wearing red now because he wants to, like, further his career and not just stop at Lieutenant Commander. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. And even though we, like, totally left him, left his story, there was enough time where a whole bunch of other stuff was happening that it, it he could have done some self-reflection, I guess, and made some decisions. We just didn't get to see it because there was too yeah. much other stuff going on. There was a novelization of this, and I kind of wonder if it fleshed it out a little more. Mm. Now I'm curious. Let's read it out loud right now. I probably have it. I had it at one point. If you don't, I do. Between the two, actually, between the three of us. Yeah. No, all my novels are Voyager. Ah. Oh, good. That covers a section I have no knowledge or interest in. <laughs> I may have one or two books that feature Voyager characters because it's like a crossover with some other stuff. Yeah, I got a couple. Of those. The later stuff tends to do that a lot. Yeah, which makes sense. There's, you know, if everyone's back in the Alpha Quadrant together, you can mix and match. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Like Mr. Potato Head. Yes, yes. exactly. Exactly like Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> Mr. Tom Paris Head. M- Morn. Yes. Mr. Morn Potato Head? Yes. Mornster Potato Head? Morn- <laughs> there you go. Morn has a potato for a head. Yes, Morn That's does have a potato for a head. An old potato. Yes. That's my joke. Like you gotta you gotta carve out the, the black bits when you're when you're peeling it. Yeah. Gross. Those are his eyes. <laughs> Potatoes have a lot of eyes. Yep. We're in that minute now. Jokes. Oops. Potatoes. <laughs> I, do, I do like we're now getting sort of the payoff of the idea that Klingons are constantly losing their honor and regaining their honor. Like, yeah. At first, we thought this was a huge thing that happened to Worf one time and no Klingon has ever endured this before. Now you realize, no, this happens all the time. Yeah, this yeah. is just a day in the life. They strip your titles and blah, 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 and you win them back. And Take then, your li- yeah. Yeah. Constantly. Which, you know, makes sense, you know. Yeah, and, For, and the way they've established their culture, it absolutely fits. Uh, you know, you have to be constantly striving to be, like, the top house or whatever. Right. The most honorist. Striving to be the top house. Is it is it Hogwarts? Or yes. <laughs> Hogwarts? <laughs> Gonna get that cup. Is it a cup? Best cup. Yeah, yes. best cup. Best I'm looking cup at it right now. Wine. They're yep. coming for you, Matt. The Klingons. Yes. They all want your cup. Oh, well, they can't have it. Luckily, it's guarded by a Luigi action figure and the fly from the movie The Fly. 
the help me fly or the penis in a medicine cabinet? The fly? penis in the medicine cabinet. Oh my god. <laughs> Very oh. well. Oh, and a All small right. box full of dice. All right. <laughs> so we need to start wrapping things up. Any right. any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think that's it. Nate. I like how many times they that they called um called on um Cisco to come and see something and not oh, yeah. not elaborating on it. Like, that old bit. Yep. Dad, Dad, look at me. Look what I can do. Ah. Uh, Fine, yeah, I'm thing. coming. That's the thing I never noticed until I got the uh, nitpicker's guide to Star Trek. Yep. And oh, that no. And pointed it out, and then I couldn't stop noticing it. Did you just call me a nitpicker? No. Well, I am. I'm saying I notice it now, too, because that book. Mm. <laughs> well, I came to it on my own, so that means I outrank you in nitpicking. Very well. That's fair. Good. I, I, I salute you, sir. You wear more nitpicky pips than me. Where's my award? Uh, your your best cup is in the mail. Once I once I once I figure out Matt's elaborate fly and Luigi uh, <laughs> and dice his dice barricade. Yes. Uh, okay, so because the episode is is a double length episode and you guys split it, uh, you have two quotes. Um, Nate, yours is first from the first half. What'd you pick? Uh, okay, it's a scene where Worf or Worf, <laughs> Bashir and Garrick. Um, after Dr. Worf and Garrick the Klingon, or the, the Garrick the Cardassian Taylor. Garrick the Cardassian Taylor gets his ass kicked by a bunch of angry teens, I mean Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to the doctor, who lists off a litany of his injuries and, and, and has the most delightful conversation, which is this. I can't believe you're not pressing charges. Constable Lodo and Captain Sisko expressed a similar concern, but really, doctor, there was no harm done. They broke seven of your transverse ribs and fractured your clavicle. Ah, but I got off several cutting remarks, which no doubt did serious damage to their egos. Garrick, this isn't funny. I'm serious, Doctor. Thanks to your administrations, I am almost completely healed. But the damage I did to them will last a lifetime. Yeah, we didn't have enough, like, enough time to really go into the Bashir-Garrick uh, uh, relationship, but I think there was enough there. Mm-hmm. That a new viewer would say, oh, well, these two are obviously dating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, Matt, you picked one from the second half, which apparently you picked one from the first 30 seconds of the second half. Because yep. you just, like, couldn't stand it. Like, yes, that one! Yay! Pretty much. <laughs> okay. What do you, you got? I got uh, a Worf honor scene. Worf! Why do you stand there like a mute block? I have offered you a chance for glory. All you have to do is take it. If there's any glory to be won, Gowron, it'll have to be yours alone. I cannot come with you. Of course you can. It is where you belong. No, I cannot abandon my post. You no longer have a post. You have no place on that station and no business wearing that uniform. I have sworn an oath of allegiance. To the Federation! You would have me break my word. Your word? What good is your word when you give it to people who care nothing for honor? who refuse to lift a finger while Klingon warriors shed blood for their protection. I tell you, they are without honor. And you do not owe them anything. It is not what I owe them that matters. It is what I owe myself. Worf, son of Moab, does not break his word. And what of your debt to me? Are you saying you owe me nothing? I gave you back your name, restored your house, gave your family a seat on the High Council, and this is how you repay me? It is true. I owe you a great debt. Give up my life for you. 
But invading Cardassia is wrong, and I cannot support it. Because it's been a while. Yes, it has. Well, the nice thing is Worf is now part of this ensemble. Like, he's just part of the show now. And they didn't, like, they didn't take anyone out to make that happen. Nope. They just added a character, which is which is great. Oh, there was, like, we'll two seconds. He fits in really well here. He does. There was two seconds where Kira got stabbed where you might have been worried for yeah, the maybe, future Yeah, oh, maybe show. Worf is the new Kira now. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I really hope Worf's not the new Kira. I don't know. I don't They're pretty much the same character. Think. Shit. <laughs> He doesn't, you know, he doesn't give a damn. He doesn't give a damn. Nope. <laughs> what we think. All right, so we are going to wrap it up for the people who do not want to hear spoilers. Yep. Uh, what what follows after this next bit is spoilers. So uh, stop listening now if you don't want to hear spoilers. And things. good day to you. Good day to you. Okay, so first of all, uh, 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 Martok may or may not be a changeling. Yep. I'm pretty sure he, if I remember correctly, he is. Uh, I believe so, but the fact is he cuts his hand and he's got regular blood. Yeah, which is, there's easy, there's plenty of ways you could fix that. They say yeah, on Memory it, Alpha, if you just stick a little blood pack in, in your hand. I agree with that, but at this point in the show, they have not established that that's a thing. No, I, I here, think here, Here's something that I learned, Googling on the internet, mm-hmm. is that in a couple of frames in that scene, you see mm-hmm. the blood pack that they use. And so people are theorizing that perhaps it was on purpose, and he was he was tricking them on purpose, even though it was just a bad camera angle. Yeah, I feel like the show didn't know yet. Yeah. I feel like maybe they went back and retconned that, and yeah, maybe there's a reason how he could pull that off. But mm. I think the fact that they had him, you know, cut open his hand, and we haven't established that they can trick their way around that yet, tells me that they didn't know yet. But there is the fact that the person who instigated the check is the one who might be bluffing. So Which if if, if cool. he was, then he would have been prepared for it because he's the one that's like, we all got to cut ourselves. <laughs> no, that's true. It's just we've re- literally had one episode where we've established that a blood test is a good way to detect a change. Like mm-hmm. It's weird that they would then immediately say, well, except. Like, you feel like you want to ride that for a little while and then introduce the new, like, oh, except. I, well, they I actually do. I love the idea of the, of the change. Like, it's going, oh, you think you guys, you think you guys can find us just because we come apart? Yeah. If we bleed? Mm. Oh, 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 sweetie, that's lesson two. Oh, no, that, also, and that comes up later. That comes up in the uh, uh, Changelings on Earth thing, mm. where I think it's Cisco's dad says, why don't they just put a little blood in their bodies and then let it out at the right time? Like, yeah. it, it definitely comes up, but I feel like since that hasn't been revealed to us yet, we're not supposed to know that yet. Mm. Okay, but in, I think it's the last episode. They, they do the blood test thing, and that's when one of the Changelings is revealed because... Like, okay, okay, right, they put What's-His-Face in jail because he, like, puts his changeling stuff in the tube in a tricky way. and So they're well, already playing with Bashir. that idea. No, yeah, but it's Bashir switching vials around. Like, he can't put it inside his body. Yeah, but it's still, like, a visual trick which works. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying I feel like the writers didn't know it yet. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Which like, is valid. Yeah, they could, they could retcon it, and it's fine. But I do, I will say this. It was exciting to see Martok until I realized just how much of a dick he was. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, I, I liked this guy, really? Yeah, this is my other reason why I, st- why I think he's a changeling. No, I just think he's a dick. He's like like <laughs> so many people on this show, I think, eventually will come to like him. Mm. They will pull this trick so many times with Gul Dukat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right this, now we're this, starting... this time he's definitely on your, on our side. Look, even Kira's warming up to him. Yeah, we're starting to sympathize with him. We risked Starfleet and Bajoran lives to rescue this this. Creepy Cardassian. Mm. Risk. They like 
deliberately killed a bunch of people, didn't they? Uh, they didn't deliberately kill a bunch. Well, of people. well, they chose him they over people. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying like Cisco didn't go and shoot some Starfleet guys <laughs> on purpose. I need to save you, cat. Pew pew pew. Fuck yeah. you. But uh, there is a point. This was my like one of my favorite bits where they're they're presented with the horrible moral quandary of like. Do we stay cloaked and let all these people on this Cardassian ship die, or do we decloak and reveal ourselves and save them? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they have to keep going. I love great. that. Yeah. Just the, the, the idea, we're, we're leaving these people, that we're leaving pos- the possibility of people dying so we can save Gul Dukat? Yes. What the fuck is happening? But this show, he, mm-hmm. he will be sympathetic and then not sympathetic and then sympathetic, like so many times over the course of the show, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just delightful. It's almost I, like they're well-written characters. Almost like. Yeah. You keep saying that, and then you're going to want to come on here and defend Voyager in, a, in about a year. <laughs> Don't, okay, no, we've been through this before. I love Voyager because it happened at a time when I was dumb and young. I, it, it may change my opinion when I watch it again, but for the meantime, I really enjoyed it. All right, fair enough. The nice thing is, when I was young and dumb, this show was on. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't all get to joy. So it, it elevated me. It made me say, wow, TV can be good. This is great. Um, what else? There were a couple other spoil- spoily things um, I wanted to talk I've about. I've got the working theory that the reason Worf can't get a hold of anyone on the homeworld is that they're changelings, too. I don't think so. Makes more sense than his brother not returning his calls. because Well, that's true. Like, seriously, I can see Kalis. I can see... Who was the other one? Gowron. Yeah, I can definitely see Gowron not returning his calls. Well, right. G- Gowron fucking hates Worf. Yeah, unless he's his old friend, which he yeah. was in that one scene. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing with Gowron, amazing yep. politician. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's great at whenever he needs to be your friend, he's your friend. Ah, Worf, my old friend, who I love like a brother. Come here and hug your good friend Gowron, who's in, friends with you. In five minutes, <laughs> I'm going to like strip you of all your shit and, yep. and send you out to die. Yep. I love that Worf, like, he knows. He just goes with it. Like, yep. oh, we're friends now. Haha, <laughs> yes, my old friend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he's always, he's giving him the stink eye the whole time. Yeah. Like, What's your angle, Mr. Bug-Eyed Man? <laughs> Mr. Bug-Eyed Man. But the big reveal at the end of this season, though, is that Gowron was the changeling. And I don't know if he was all along. Yeah, I don't know that. I'm not sure. That's one of my all-time sticks out in my head favorite moments, because I was watching in, in real time at that point. Yeah. And the season ends with uh, Odo watching uh, Gowron giving a big speech on, on the screen, and it closes up on Odo, and it's like, uh, my, my people were hiding, tried to hide this from me, but I picked up on it. Gowron, he's the changeling. Yep. And that's it. That's the season. It's like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> See you next year. Yep. <laughs> They're so good at the non-cliffhanger cliffhanger. Yep. And that's there, there's so much stuff here that sets up things for later. Well, it's like you said, this is basically the pilot for the second half of the series. Yeah, mm-hmm. this the is war the blueprint for how things are going to be. Like, way more war, way more, like, like paranoia stuff. I love that this was sort of playing on, like, the X-Files was starting to become big at this point, and yep. paranoia was kind of a big, you know, in the zeitgeist thing. Oh, yeah, that was, was a like, huge part thing. of, like, TV in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it started, I would say, with, like, JFK, like, the, the movie, where, like, people were like, yeah, conspiracies, that's mm-hmm. a cool thing. And then, and then the X Files picked up on that, and a few other things picked up on that, and, and this show ran with it really well. I think. Yeah. Um, so What's yeah, a JFK? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Canadian. Look, just because Canada hasn't had any interesting like leaders doesn't mean that you can't know any of ours. <laughs> well, Pierre Trudeau. Yes, Pierre Trudeau. 
The only one that I could name. Yes. Yep. Same. McKennedy? McKenzie King. McKenzie Calhoun? Yes. Is that King a of thing? the Wild Frontier. No, Mackenzie yes. King. Good lord. No, I don't know who that is. Who are you talking about? I know you Matt, know. Nate. Are you making shit up? Oh He's my making God. shit up. All right, I, I quit. <laughs> Being well, Canadian? Then you have to say your thing before you quit. <laughs> See you, podcast. I'll say it then. See you, folks. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.